The world's employees are feeling more stressed than ever. And today only every fifth one of us feels engaged at work. According to the recent report on the state of the global workplace by Gallup, quite a few workers are not at all happy in the workplace. Is the lack of purpose perhaps a reason for this? Let's find out. You're listening to Beyond Business with Vatsila, a series that goes above the realms of strategy and operations and seeks to find solutions to our global problems. The pandemic, the great resignation, technology and geopolitical factors are transforming how, why and where we work. Low engagement is costing the global economy a staggering 7.8 trillion dollars. Pasin Yan, managing partner at the global analytics and leadership advisory company Gallup, joins us from Berlin to talk about why purpose, both organizational as well as individual, is at the heart of this big problem. Pa, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Traditionally, people have viewed work as a means to earn their livelihood and increase their well-being, but not anymore. The modern worker seeks to have a deeper meaning or purpose for his or her work. What are the factors that are driving this fundamental change? Depending on where we are in the world, a significant chunk of the world is still looking for work that pays for their livelihoods and gives them stability. But for us, blessed here in the Western world, OECD countries, it's absolutely true. People are asking for meaning in their work. They're not just looking for pay, they're looking for purpose. And I think one of the main drivers here is we have more opportunities to choose from, more jobs to consider. You know, the war for talent is real. So it means that we, the employees, are now increasingly in the driver's seat. You know, one of the things that many people think is that uh, the desire for purpose is new. That's not true. The desire for purpose has always been there. It was just never articulated. And one of the big asks today is, I don't just want pay. I want my work to be meaningful and I want purpose. And I think that's been the main driver. It's the opportunities to pick and choose that are making people start to really reflect on what's important to them. And what is the importance and outcome of this notion of job with a purpose, being able to pick and choose? When people are changing jobs, one of the main reasons people are choosing to change jobs is having jobs that they feel aligned with their personal mission and purpose. So that's the first thing. This move is happening. It's coming. It's very strong and it's probably not going back. By the way, one other thing to add is that it has also been driven by a new generation of workers entering the workforce. Not that older generations don't care about this topic, but our younger generations do seem to be, you know, more, even more enthusiastic, more passionate, uh, to the point of more aggressive, to be honest, about these topics. And what our data clearly shows is that around the world, approximately four in 10 people feel they have a strong sense of purpose. They feel strongly connected to the purpose and mission of their company. Now, when organizations are able to take that number from 40 to 70 or 80, uh, you see a lot less accidents, about 52 less accidents, safety incidents at work. You see much better, better profitability. You see much better innovation and collaboration. You see much better impact on our customers. So in addition to the trends we're seeing in society, there's now increasing clarity that this is not just nice to have. This is not just something that's morally the right thing to do. It has a hard and direct connection to to to, to business outcomes that all companies at the end of the day are working to achieve. You know, how are we more competitive? How are we more innovative? How are we making the best value of our human capital? Well, increasingly fulfilling a sense of purpose for your people is a big part of how you achieve that. 
Uh, let's continue a bit on the generations. We are today also witnessing a historical global transfer of wealth from the older generations to the millennials and the Gen Z. And as you said, these generations in particular are highly aware of their social impact and are not at all inclined to work without a purpose. So to what extent do you see that this is happening also with the older generations? We get so excited always about the young generation. And then, you know, when we look in our data around the world, one of the things that historically we have seen is that the older generation was more engaged. But that is starting to change, actually. What we're seeing now is that people are engaged when they join the organization. And then that engagement to the company, to its mission and purpose, it falls off over time. So you have sort of a honeymoon period in the first six months, maybe to a year, and then it just keeps on going down over time. And what we're seeing is that our colleagues who are of an older generation who've been working for a longer time, they experience less feedback, they experience less recognition, they experience less constructive feedback, meaning leaders and managers are taking less time to talk to these people and show them that they're relevant and they're important. And by the way, when I have studied this qualitatively in organizations, it's actually well-intended. It's because leaders and managers think, oh, you know, you know, Peter has been working with us for 20 years. I don't need to tell him. He knows what he's doing. I'll leave him alone. When the reality is Peter, like everybody else, is human and he wants feedback and he wants uh, to be seen and he wants to be heard. So the same thing applies to the topic of purpose. We're seeing that even though the older generation did not grow up in a world where expressing or seeking purpose was the norm, They too are now in a position where they're seeing the value, where they're seeing the literature, they're reading about it. And we're seeing the same demand, the same desire to have conversations about me and about my purpose, not just about uh, my work. So it's coming slower, but it's absolutely coming even for older generations. We're seeing the same patterns. When we talk about purpose, it's not just the individual purpose that is in focus. Increasingly, people also want to understand the larger goal of the companies they work in. And are they really inclined to take or reject the employers based on their values? So what is driving this change today? The data clearly confirms that people are inclined to choose jobs now based on the purpose of this company. Now, what is driving this change is very much the same thing that is driving the need for organizational purpose that we're seeing movements like ESG, movements like Black Lives Matter, movements, particularly in Europe, we're seeing this even stronger, the focus on the environment. What impact are we having on the environment and on our planet? Uh, we're seeing the growth of parties like the Green Party. So all of these movements together are really creating a more informed, a more conscious, a more reflective constituency where young people really care about more than just getting a paycheck or just having a job. My son, who is now 11 years old the other day, was trying to have a conversation with me about the planet and the impact we're having on the planet. And I'm sitting there wondering, at 11, did I ever think about things like that? And I don't know if I did. And I think, you know, the, the younger generation that is coming up is just a lot more exposed to everything that's going on in the world, the history of the world, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that is creating sort of a, uh, you know, a, a moral imperative to do the right thing, to care about the right things, to to invest in the right things. And that includes who do I buy from? Who do I work for? Uh, who do I want to be associated with? Or who do I don't want to be associated with? And all of that is driving organizations towards a responsibility to take ownership, to to care about the impact they're having on people and on the planet, 
And that's what um, we're all being driven towards with different levels of impact. People today, they trust businesses to address their social problems and taking care of the planet more than government authorities or institutions. This can be seen, for example, from the uh, Edelman's annual trust barometer. So how does this purpose-driven business shape the future of work and transforming it all for the better? I started my career in government, worked in international institutions, and then moved to the private sector. So in the private sector, there's that sense of you need to deliver outcomes and you will be held accountable for that. So what that does is it creates a, a real impetus to make progress on all of these topics, including something like purpose. Why are organizations focusing on, on purpose today? Because they have done the maths. They're seeing how difficult it is to attract talent. They're seeing how expensive it is to lose talent. They're seeing how when people feel a sense of purpose, they make less mistakes, they collaborate better, they innovate more, and so on and so forth. All of these positive outcomes, you know, organizations have seen and are able to look into their sort of into their, their numbers and see what potential has been left on the table. And I think that is the driving force, really, because while the private sector doesn't have that profit motive naturally, just because of the nature of the work, the private sector does. And what that means is organizations are saying, okay, well, we have a potentially 12 to 13% higher productivity that we're leaving on the table. We have potentially 50% less accidents that we're living with uh, or that we're leaving on the table because we don't have a sense of purpose for our, for our workforce. So I think what is driving it Uh, and making uh, organizations drive this topic is just because of the the competitive and outcome-oriented nature of businesses as opposed to public sectors. No doubt a lot is changing for the better at the workplace, but we can and must do more because there's a huge hierarchy gap when it comes to purpose. We'll talk about this after this short break. Stay tuned. 70% of people say that they define their purpose through work. A recent McKinsey survey reveals that only 15% of the frontline workers and managers agree that they're living their purpose at work. And in comparison, 85% of the executives and upper management agree. So that's a massive gap. How can we bridge that? Well, I think one, it's about understanding what is the source of that purpose. How do people feel a sense of purpose? When does that happen? And a lot of organizations invest a lot of time and energy in articulating a beautiful, cool, sexy, fun purpose statement. And then they put it on posters everywhere and they put it on, you know, on in their in their signatures. And it's basically a marketing campaign to get that purpose out there to the people. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But people don't feel purpose because you communicate purpose. People feel purpose because they feel it's actually an emotional connection that has to be generated. And just because I tell you something doesn't mean you will feel it. So where's this gap coming from? It's organization's inability to create that sense of connection and that emotional engagement to the purpose. Let's take an example. You know, you have a purpose statement that we are, we're going to heal the world or we're going to feed the world or whatever it is you can choose. And then uh, on our day-to-day -day basis, in my day-to-day -day experiences at work, my manager doesn't make me feel important. My manager actually ignores me when I make a suggestion. My manager disregards my ideas. Then all of a sudden, that purpose statement, which I can emotionally connect to, is undermined by my day-to-day -day experiences at work. Now, how we bridge this gap between what is working relatively well at the top of most organizations where people do connect to the mission and purpose against the bottom of the organization where you have less of a, a resonance with the mission and purpose, 
is purely about the type of leadership that people experience on a day-to-day basis. So companies should invest time and energy in articulating a purpose that resonates with the business, that is realistic, that is compelling, that is emotional, but they have to individualize purpose. It means that me, if you are my manager, you have to remind me why I matter. Regardless of what our company's purpose is, you have to make me feel that I am important. You have to recognize me for doing a good job. You have to take time to give me feedback when I don't do a good job. You have to set really crystal clear expectations for me so I know why what I'm doing matters. All of this is basically people management with a capital P. That needs to be happening on the ground, real time, for people to start connecting to a mission and purpose. Well, this all sounds very clear and obvious. In in your mind, your experience, you know, where does this inability to take this into action stem from? When we look at our data, 70% of the variance between how connected you feel to the mission and purpose, how well you feel, what is you know what is expected of you, and how recognized you feel, is influenced not by the company, not by the company mission and purpose statement, but by who is your direct manager. So that's the first barrier we have there, right? That managers seem to not be inherently good at creating that culture within their teams and giving that feedback, giving that recognition. And then we look to see, well, why are managers struggling with this? And we've asked, you know, almost 300,000 people around the world who are managers, how do you think you became a manager? Why do you think you became a manager? The top two reasons across cultures are one, I was great in my non-managerial role before. So I was an expert which is a bad reason to become a manager because it has has nothing to do with whether or not you are good at managing people or whether you enjoy engaging people. And the second top reason was uh, tenure. So I was around long enough. Eventually, I had to get promoted too. So these are two reasons why people become leaders and managers, which don't suggest that they're intuitively or inherently good at this. So I think that's the first challenge that we have, which is that this gap exists because the people that we are selecting to lead and manage our people across the board. Many of them do not necessarily enjoy doing this and don't naturally have the talents to do this really well. So their intentions are always good, by the way. We just saw some data in Germany last year where in Germany, this was just Germany to be fair, but I would guess it's the same everywhere in the world. We asked managers, do you think you are a good manager? And 97% of managers think they, they do a great job. And we then ask employees, do you experience good managers? And guess what? 69% of employees say their managers are not so great. So there is a disconnect here. And I think that is the number one sort of barrier uh, of creating a sense of purpose. It's the managers themselves and their ability to individualize, to meet people where they are, to paint a picture for people around you know, why what they're doing matters. No, you're not just laying bricks here. You're building a cathedral. Somebody has to tell that to individuals. Because otherwise, we're asking a lot of employees to do it ourselves. I would claim that many of the managers, they are used to working with hard targets, perhaps metrics, monetary targets and such. So the topic that we're discussing here, it's, you know, for them, it might be seen as something soft and fluffy and difficult to entangle with what they are expected to deliver. Would you have any recipe on how to bring the, all this together? I mean, so so one, it starts with quantifying it. So uh, one of the big you know, missed opportunities in the world is that the science of human decision-making, the, the science of behavioral science, of, of human psychology has come a really, really, really long way. We are actually in a position today to very, in a very validated and scientific way, evaluate and quantify the impact of compassion, of hope, 
of uh, a sense of stability as well as a sense of purpose. We can actually quantify these things. You know, when employees feel a strong sense of purpose, you know, customers in those stores are three times more likely to, to buy multiple products rather than to just buy one product. So I think the first opportunity is just, you know, at the risk of sounding oversimplistic, show me the money. I connect this back to things that matter. That as long as we keep talking about this from a moral standpoint, from a value standpoint, and it's, it's the right thing to do, all of that is true. But the business of business is still business. And unless we're able to show, we're able to demonstrate to these leaders in a very credible way, hey, this is how it impacts your bottom line. This is how it impacts your top line. This is how it impacts innovation. When you can de demonstrate that, I guarantee you all of these leaders will start to prioritize it. Because like all of us, we're all a little bit egoistic. We all have objectives we're trying to achieve. And if you can show me that what you want me to focus on actually will help me drive my outcomes, you won't have to tell me twice because now I know this is not work for me to do, but something that will actually help me do my work better. So I think that's really where we first need to start. How do we demonstrate to these people who are sometimes critical, and I understand that, that this connects back to their business outcomes. And from your experience, what are the most beneficial metrics that one can use here? It's very, very dependent on the industry you're in, right? So so one one industry, by the way, that's very, I always have some really interesting data points there is the, the retail industry. There's a term that they use, which is called shrinkage. So shrinkage basically is when, uh, you know, the gap in inventory and what is sold. So when we have stores and we order 10 millions of products to come into the stores, but we only sell 9.5 million and somehow half a million disappears. But that is called shrinkage. The average shrinkage in the retail industry is about 2%. So 2% of the overall turnover kind of just disappears. And what are what we've been able to do in, in, the, in the retail organizations is to show them how when a store has strong levels of purpose, people feel strong levels of purpose, people are engaged by their, by their store manager, we see 28% less shrinkage than in the stores where people don't feel a strong sense of purpose. So, so if you are in the retail industry, that would be a great KPI to use. Um, if you're in the banking industry, you know, you want to look at, you know, cross-selling, right? If we go into the branches, which branches are able to get customers who don't just give you a savings account, but they also take a credit card with you. They also take their loan with you. They also take their student debt with you. And so, so it really varies from industries to industry, which KPI is best. In operations, we do a lot of work in manufacturing, operations, automotive industry, you know, quality defects and safety incidents. So it really varies depending on which industry you find yourself in. That's interesting. In this context, a purpose-driven organization culture is very important. We will discuss that right after this short break. Stay tuned. Uh, the Gallup reports, they point out very clearly that having a strong organizational purpose itself is not enough, and you alluded to it already earlier. What has been stressed is having a very strong culture that is purpose-driven. Can you elaborate a bit on this? And what does this mean in practice on top of having the purpose itself? A purpose statement is a promise. And unless you can actually bring that promise to life consistently, I sometimes advise organizations, your culture is not strong enough yet for a purpose. If you actually introduce a purpose statement right now, you could actually end up frustrating your, your people instead. And that's what that statement really is about. You know, to make it an inherent, a purpose-driven culture 
that is inherent to how we make decisions, how we run the business, how we recognize people, how we prioritize uh, our resources. A strong company where the purpose is really embedded in our day-to-day -day business, that purpose statement is almost like a true note where you can sit in a meeting and you're about to make decisions and anybody can ask the question anytime. Does this further our purpose or doesn't it further our purpose? It almost becomes the paradigm with which we make big decisions. You know, when NASA first sent a man to the moon or men to the moon, they asked one of the cleaning ladies uh, at their facilities what her job was. And she said, well, my job is to help us get a man on the moon, which, you know, some people might laugh at that and consider it silly, but that's exactly the emotions people are looking for. No matter what we are doing, I want to feel that I'm part of something bigger than myself. But I need a manager who is having that conversation with me. In the absence of that manager, some employees will do it by themselves because they're very self-generational, self-driven. But most, most of us need managers to help us understand what our contribution is. And that's how we make it an integral part of our day-to-day -day business. I can so well relate to that. Uh, at Vartila, we created a framework and annual processes where the company strategy, the action plans, they are directly linked and derived from the purpose. And with that, we can make conscious choices on what to do and what not to do. And and those can be done really on the workplace level and it makes all the difference. It also makes for, uh, it also avoids some of the many tensions that exist within organizations, right? Around priorities. How do we prioritize? Like you said, what to do, but also what not to do. If something doesn't align with the purpose, by having a purpose, you're giving your whole organization a mandate or maybe even a responsibility to challenge decisions, to say, hey, but if we say our purpose is ABC, why are we doing BDF? That's the exact opposite of what we what we're saying. And that creates that space for those for those conversations. Doesn't mean it makes everything easier, by the way, uh, but it does create a more engaged, connected and purpose-driven workforce. Finally, let's wrap this up around the individual purpose and the company purpose. So what can individuals do to have more clarity regarding their own purpose and align it with the company that they work with? So I'm 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 hesitant to put too much responsibility on employees because I do firmly believe in the power of leadership and the responsibility of leaders. So I think firstly and foremost, employees deserve leaders who are engaging, who help them to see value. So that's that's first. But to your to your question specifically, of course, as individual employees, we also do have a responsibility. We we're not victims who just sit around and wait for everything to be done with us. We also have a part to play. And I think there are two ways to really do this well. The first one is deal with your strengths, right? Emphasize what are the strengths that you bring to the table, meaning self-reflection and self-awareness, uh, not just in terms of can I use SPSS or can I use some technical uh, tools, but you know what are my natural strengths? What do I bring to the table? How am I different from other people? Because what we clearly see is that the more people are aware of their natural strengths, the more appreciated people are of who they are. And that makes it easier for us to connect to some purpose that you have in your organization. That's the first level, I think, where each of us, each and every individual employee can play a role and ask themselves what they can do. Now, the second thing we can do, obviously, or the second responsibility we as employees all have, regardless of the role we're in and the level of the organization, is to invest time and energy in understanding the organization we work for. Too many of us have a job and we're so busy just doing the job that we 
have no interest in reading about the company's purpose statement. We have no interest in reading about the company's news, uh, about what's going on. I actually saw some data point the other day where uh, two-thirds of employees are not sure that their company is really different to other companies. So even as employees are not differentiating their own experience, they're looking at their organization saying, oh, well, all companies are the same anyway. And that is where I do think you know, employees do have a responsibility for themselves to inform themselves, to learn, to read, to explore, to reflect uh, on the organizations that they work for. But I do believe it starts with self-reflection and self-awareness. Be aware of who you are, what you bring to the table, and it'll be easier to connect to your company's mission and purpose. That is truly very important. And I can say it from a personal experience that having a clear purpose gives direction and motivation every single day. Bob, it was really a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the questions. It was a pleasure. Thank you, listeners. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and share it. I'm Atte Palamäki, and today we went Beyond Business. You've been listening to Beyond Business with Vatsila. This podcast is produced by Spoon Finland and recorded on location in Helsinki.